special episode, interview with Sergio Aragones. So we have a special episode, an interview with Sergio Aragones. This was recorded in September 2011 at Montreal Comic Con, a massive event with thousands and thousands of attendees, and Sergio was one of the artist guests of honor, right? That's right. He was one of the guests of honors as an artist, and he was there actually uh, working on some of the stuff that he's doing for his current publisher for uh, Sergio Aragonese's Funnies, which is his latest opus, but he's well known for Gru, that comic book, and obviously for his work for Mad Magazine. Some of his work for Mad Magazine that's most famous were not actually full panel comics, but little doodles that he put in the margins and between the comics that were the size of fingernails, but absolutely hilarious. He was actually at Comic-Con as a guest. We had a chance to actually talk to him, and recorded uh, two versions of this interview. I mean, the one that you're going to hear today, it's in English. And we also have a Spanish one, which we'll be releasing in a special Spanish episode. So without further ado, Sergio Aragones. All right, so I'm here at Comic-Con, at Montreal Comic-Con, with Sergio Aragones. Uh, Mr. Sergio Aragones, uh, welcome to the show. Merci bien. Thank you. Gracias. You are one of the guests of honor here at Comic-Con. You're a famous illustrator. You started drawing at a very young age. I mean, you mentioned to us, allegedly, your parents said you started drawing at two years old. Yes, that's what my family says. That I have always, every time I saw a pencil or something to draw, I will draw. I don't remember, of course, but I not remember not drawing. So it's a thing about memory. And then in the school, I can see all my books when I wasn't from the early grades that they are full of drawings. B bad drawings, but still full of drawings. So yeah, I started very early. Uh, it was in a way more than drawing, it was writing with drawings. Because I look at my drawings and they are a continuous adventures that I, something I have just seen. If there was a serious movie, the drawings were serious. If I have seen a cartoon, I will continue drawing that cartoon. So it was a series of trying to do more of what I just saw and loved so much. Now, story is important to you. I mean, you mentioned that you were drawing stories for friends at school. How did you get started working professionally? Can you tell us a little bit about your early days as an artist? Well, that happened when I was in high school. I was drawing the, the school newspaper, of course. And the cartoons... We, it was a mural newspaper because first we started with a thing called a mimeograph. It was an antique machine that you had to do a stencil and put it on and it was a pain on the butt. But, so we decided to do a mural thing. So I had the cartoons and the editor who was a colleague of mine, one of the mates uh, from school, she said that they were good enough to be sold, which I didn't believe. So she took some out of the wall 
I took him to a magazine called Haha, J-A-J-A, who is uh, the, how we say Haha in Spanish. And they bought him. So that was in 1954. And I says, well, if they bought him, and that's the, the leading humor magazine, that means I'm kind of ready. So I started going to other magazines and sh- doing covers. And yeah, that was the beginning. And how did you get to work at Mad Magazine? When I was in high school, I was a fan of Mad. It had just came out, and I didn't spoke any English. But I loved the drawings. I thought it was uh, the best drawings ever done. And I would follow my guys who spoke English for them to translate for me. And they would run away because they knew that they were my prisoners for a couple of hours or more. But I love the magazine. So when I continue working in Mexico, continue studying architecture, and it arrived at the point that I couldn't go higher in Mexico. I was working for a leading magazine and selling everything I could, and that was it. So my only alternative was to come to the United States and to go to the United States. And I did. I went to New York with my portfolio full of published drawings and new drawings. And I started going to magazines, and some bought some cartoons, but a lot of them say, this is too crazy for us, you should go to Mad Magazine. Reluctantly, I wait because I knew that that was not what they did publish, but I was wrong. They, they love it, they publish it, and I stay. They make the mistake to say, mi casa es su casa, and I took it literally and never moved away. <laughs> Now, of course, in your early days working, when you, you were getting just as many commissions as you could, you mentioned some interesting stories about some odd assignments that you had to do. Can you share us some of the weirdest assignments that were given to you? Well, in the beginning, it's hard. So I remember a couple of things. For instance, once I went to a magazine called Army Laughs, and they pay only like $5 per cartoon. And... They did like my ideas, but they didn't like my drawings. So they gave me these drawings. says, we want you to draw your ideas in this style. And that was a style that I uh, hated it. You know, I abhorred because it was the old-fashioned with the big food things that I, it hurt my stomach just thinking of doing it. But I had to do a few. I just have to copy that style for a little while. That was one. The other one was that they gave me an assignment to draw a book called Sam the Ceiling Needs Painting, who was about feet making love, and just were just the feet, seemed the pound, and the person on the bottom was saying, Sam the Ceiling Needs Painting. And they said, you want to get paid or you want royalties? And I said, I want to get paid. That book sold millions and millions of copies. That would have been an enormous amount of money, but you learn with experience. So they, they go on and on, and we can talk all night about those things, you know. Now, you discovered the, uh, you know, sort of the genesis of Gru is, is essentially going to uh, Europe and seeing that the illustrators over there sort of own the work and have their own creation out there. And that, that was sort of like what spearheaded you into doing Gru, making your own comic. So can you tell us a little bit about how Gru came about? Well, it is true. I have loved comics, but there were no humor comics around. So I grew up thinking that they, that was it, you know, that, that there was no way that I was ever going to do comics on my style. So when I went to Europe for a couple of years in the mid-60s, and I discovered that 
they were comics in, in humor, lots of them. Not only that, the cartoonists were the owners of the copyright. So I was delighted. I said, oh, I'm going to go back to the States. Now I can do comics. So the way I work, to this day I still do that, I see what is there around and what is not around I have to do because that's I know there's nothing around. And when I came to the States, I realized that they have not even in Europe, they were not barbarian comics. So I said, great, they are so funny and to start with because I, was, uh, I have read Conan, you know, the books, not the comic. So I start designing a character in my head and developing. And when I thought I, ha I was ready, I start going to the companies and they say that they will publish, but they will have to own the rights. And that was not what I wanted to. So I, that was in the 70s, early 70s, and it took until 1983 when, I went, when a company called Pacific Comics was starting, and they were sharing the copyright as it should be with the authors. By then, people like Neil Adams and Mike Grell, uh, even Jack Kirby, Dave Stevens, so all of them were publishing with them, so they, they said, yes, we do it. So once I knew that, I asked Mark Evanier if he could help me with the dialogues to do Gru, because I knew I couldn't do, I, my thought is more visual than with words. So I could write the story and then he would take care of the, of the words. And we'd say yes, and we started with them. And from them, it was great because I owed a right and I could write whatever I wanted without any problems of editorial censorship or anything. It was great. There's a lot of people who come to conventions and that see you there. And they probably have asked you before, like, how would they know, like, as an artist, when they're ready to go out there and publish their own stuff or, or get published? For any out artists out there, what would you say would be your advice on starting a career as a, an illustrator? Well, I think, first, they have to see what is there. Because don't forget that when they take in a job, they take in somebody else's job. So they have to realize that they, are, they have to be better than that guy that is publishing what he likes or at least as good. You cannot be worse because they won't hire you. You'll be an assistant forever. So you have to really consciously know that you are prepared. Because if you go with a bad portfolio and they say no, they will always remember you as a bad artist because you're not ready yet. So you have to be ready. You have to pay attention of the quality of your work. A lot of people present portfolios just with pinups. And said, well, comics are not pinups, are people fighting a guy in a motorcycle, jumping from a building, jumping from horses to uh, a tank. You have to learn how to draw all those things. And when you know that, then you, you go and present your work. Because they can give you an assignment. They know you, you are ready. And don't get discouraged, just keep doing it until you know that you're ready. And how would you know that you're ready? Well, looking at the work of other people, that's it. Seeing that, hey, I am better than that guy, I'm going after him. You know, it's, it's like in everything else, you know. It's, uh, when you see a boxer, you say, hey, I can beat him up, and then you go there until you get all beat up or you beat the other guy. So you have to really don't pay attention to what your bodies are telling you. You have to know instinctively how, what your limitations and your capabilities are. 
And if you are almost there, you know you can work as an assistant or something. You can start, if you're taking your career seriously, in, if you want to be an actor or related to movies, you go to work at the studio, even if you have just to erase, uh, be swiping the floors. You are there, you're seeing what's happening. You are assisting everybody. One day you can be an assistant of the guy who's doing that, then you help him, and eventually you learn a lot more. So with comics it's the same thing. You try to work with somebody that you respect and see what you can do. You erase pages, you ink this, and you go from there. Just to finish, everybody knows Gru, but you're also working on a new series of comic called Funnies. Yes. Sergio Aragones Funnies. I did a comic a few years ago for DC Comics called Image, Solo. And each artist did an issue. And I did issue 11. I decided, well, I can do whatever I want. So I did some personal stories. I did a story when I arrived to New York. I did a story when I met, called I Kill Mari Feldman, which was the encounter I had with that actor in Mexico. And short stories and gags and everything. Everybody loved that comic. Everybody comes, Sergio, you have to do more of those stories. So I have done one before also about me working in aquatic ballet in Mexico. And if, if that won a, an Eisner Award. It was about a gorilla suit. So I, I figured out, well, I have a lot of stories to tell. And I want to do a comic that encompasses all that. So I proposed to Bongo and they loved the idea. And there we are. We are in issue number four now. And we're still doing a comic book that has silly stories, personal stories, gags, games. Like writing for friends. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to answer these questions. Wishing you a good trip back, going going back to Mexico today, I understand. No, I live in the West Coast now. No, California. you live in the West Coast. So I, uh, we're flying together, Stan and I, tomorrow morning, very early. Okay. And yes, we'll be back asleep on the plane. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Bon plaisir. Thank you, guys. So that was our interview with Sergio Aragones. He's truly an icon of the comic world, of the cartoon world, of humor. It was really great to hear that interview. And very interesting. He mentioned that he was getting back on the plane with Stan. He's actually referring to Stan Sakai. Stan Sakai is a, a friend of his. Uh, they've contributed on works together. They were actually both guests at the Montreal Comic Con. We actually had the chance to interview Stan Sakai along with Robert Benitez at Montreal Comic Con. And that will be in a separate podcast along with other interviews we recorded at that show. So it's going to be interesting for people to listen to it. I think we've got a lot of people in there. We've got the Team Fox people. The other ones that actually recreated the time machine from Back to the Future. You also um, have a guy who uh, rebuilt the Batmobile too. Built, rebuilt the Batmobile. We have quite a few interviews from that show so our listeners are probably going to be very interested in seeing what we've got in store for them. We'd like to thank you all for listening to this episode and hope you'll join us next time for another podcast. I'd like to take a moment to invite all authors, writers, or artists who are interested in doing freelance work for us. We are always on the lookout for talented people. So if you'd like to contact us, you can either use writers at polymancerstudios.com or artists at polymancerstudios.com, and we'll get right back to you. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this episode. You can find out more about who we are and what we do at our website, www.polymancer.com, or our main corporate website, www.polymancerstudios.com. 
You can email us at dicecast at polymancer.com, follow us on Twitter at polymancer, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash polymancer or myspace.com slash polymancer. The music for this segment, Fort Minor, remember the name BYFH Remix by Chojin, Violated Instrumental by Technetium, Industrial March Beat and Triple Layer Guitar in E by Neurowax are all released under a Creative Commons license. This episode is copyright 2011 Polymancer Studios Incorporated, released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivative works license. This episode may be freely redistributed as long as it is done for no charge and as long as due credit is given to the copyright owners. Full text of the Creative Commons license is available at creativecommons.org. Dicecast is a trademark of Polymancer Studios Incorporated. Polymancer is a registered trademark of Polymancer Studios Incorporated. Thank you for listening to the Dicecast. If you like this show, come on over to RPGpodcast.com, where you'll find dozens more great role-playing podcasts.